colorblind when it comes to my friends. And although I understand the intent of that statement, that statement is wrong. We can't be colorblind because that would be denying God's creation. Why would God give you eyes to see and then you want to deny that same color that he made? That doesn't make sense, does it? God does not want you to be colorblind. He wants you to be color blessed. As Christ followers, we shouldn't only accept color, we should embrace it. Think about it. When you get a bunch of toddlers of different ethnic groups, of different races and colors, and you put them in a sandbox, they don't have a problem with color. They just play. Because racism and prejudice and bigotry is a learned behavior that denies the very creation of mankind. So we should embrace and we should accept that God intentionally created diversity for a purpose. And they reason, which leads to the third principle, and that is the principle of community. That we are better in community I think we know this, that God never intended for you to go through life on your own, lonely without the support of other people. He wants other people in your life, and some of those people are going to be from diversified backgrounds. Now, Paul tells us in Ephesians that in the past, no one knew God's secret plan, but now the Holy Spirit has revealed it, and this is the plan. This was a big revelation when Paul said this, because before then, they thought that only certain people were saved. And this is what it says, that through the gospel... Everyone, that means you and me and everybody else that you may or may not agree with, everyone, both Jews and non-Jews, we're non-Jews, by the way, so that means us too, are now invited to be members together in the body of Christ and share together God's promises. God wanted a family and he wanted it diversified. He wanted it to come from every nation and tribe because that, is what heaven's going to look like. And in Hebrews, it says, Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and his sisters. He gives us the right to become sons and daughters of God, which makes us brothers and sisters. I just happen to be your Mexican brother. And folks, the way that that should be expressed is through our friendship. Friendship with each other. Friendship with our community. Friendship with our neighborhood. In fact, that is the fulfillment of God's greatest commandment. To love your God, thy Lord, with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. And because we are in a fractured world and more and more divided and fragmented, there ought to be a place, don't you think? There ought to be a place where there should be unity and community. And guess where that should be? Right here. The church. With a capital C, that means all the church. But I'm talking about right here in this church. At Canyon Hills, we are to be the example. We set the standard. We are the model that we come from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds. And as I look around, it's true. Look around you. We're all different. That somehow we manage to love each other and work together. Can you imagine what an impact we would make and if we were to take this model that we have in this room and take it out of these four walls? This church will transform the world. And folks, we are doing it. 
in Mexico and the Philippines and every time we go to Long Beach, but we can do more. God is calling us to do more. And the only way that we can do that is if we realize where our true, where our true identity comes from. You see, we're, we're all Americans. Democrats, Republicans, whatever you identify with. Whatever your title is, president, doctor, architect, whatever your title is. But that is a temporary title. That is a temporary identity. We need to figure out that our true identity only lies in God. That we are not going to be Americans for all eternity. Our identity lies in Christ. We are the sons and daughters of the high most God, heirs to the kingdom, brothers and sisters. Don't put your identity in something that is temporary. I encourage you to not put your identity into something that it's not going to last past this lifetime. You know, I love how the message paraphrase describes James 3.18. He says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along. He recognized that it was going to be hard of getting along with each other, treating each other, there's that word again, with dignity and honor. And folks, that hard work that James talks about can only happen if we practice and take this last principle to heart. And that is the principle of love. That we are put on this earth to learn to love. You know, if you ask yourself, why would God, who created us in his image, and ultimately he wants us in heaven, why would he bring us to this earth for about the 80 or 90 years he's going to give you? Some of those years are oftentimes going to be in sorrow and suffering and sickness and sadness. Why would he put us on this earth? The answer is that so we can learn how to love. So we can learn how to love God and our neighbor. And here's what Jesus said about that love in John. He says, I give you a new commandment that you must love each other. That's the hard part. And in the same way that I have loved you, and how has Jesus loved us? Unconditionally, freely, repeatedly, without hesitation, kind of love, no matter who you are or where you come from, kind of love, that you must love each other in the same way that I have loved you. And then he says, your love for one another will actually prove to the world that you are my disciples. It'll prove that you're a follower of Christ. He's saying here that it takes action, that love does, that it takes doing. It's not just a bumper in the back of a car. Only, the only way for people to know that you are a believer and a follower of Christ is in how and who you love. And when I think of this kind of love, the first thing that comes to my mind is our dinner table at Thanksgiving at Christmas. Who's sitting around your table during the holidays? Is it not your loved ones, for the exception of that hard-to-love person? But for the most part, it's your loved ones sitting around the table. Jesus himself gives the example, and he compares heaven to this great banquet, this great feast. And at the table, you're going to find yourself, and I picture you and I being there. We're sitting at this table enjoying this great feast, along with 
presidents of countries and CEOs and architects and yes, even lawyers. But you know who else is going to be at this table? That was supposed to be a joke, by the way. You guys are so serious. Come on now, help me out here. You know who else is going to be at this table? The hungry? The homeless? The people we just passed by? The stranger? The sick? The prisoner? Those people we're supposed to visit? The Bible calls them the least of these. There's going to be widows and orphans and black people, brown people. Imagine Syrian refugees, immigrants, illegal or not. Folks, and I can go on and on. And I imagine there's going to be some people looking for the VIP section at this table, but there won't be one. Yes, you know, it just breaks my heart, you know, after seeing a video like that and how fractured we are, and some of us are going to feel really silly in heaven because we're going to realize that some of these things we thought were so important against other people or other things and other everything and other beliefs is not going to matter in heaven. We're all going to be at the table. You know why? Because we all have the same inherent worth and value. Because we, have all the, we all have the same nature, namely the human nature, and all humans are made in the image of God. And folks, if we don't learn this concept of love here on earth, we're going to have a real hard time in heaven. In fact, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, and you're going to go to work, or you're going to go to school with people who are different than you. And some of those people are going to be fractured and broken to you. Some of those people are going to have completely different beliefs than you. What a great opportunity to practice love. To put your faith to work. And folks, I, I came up with some practical ways we can do that. It, it's honestly not that hard. You know, how do you show love to people that are different than you? Well, the first thing is try listening to them. You treat them with the respect and the dignity of how God created them, not based on who they are or their color or the position that they hold. You guys know that the most powerful body part in our body is our ear. Because when you listen to people, you're actually loving them. So first you listen to people and then you look at them. You look at them in the eye. That means that you're giving them your attention, your undivided attention, and you're telling them, you are important to me. How much more loving can that be when you give them the, the most important thing that you have in your life, which is your time? And then the third thing is you, you, you try to learn from them. Folks, we should always be learning from each other. There's things that you know that I don't know, and vice versa. So you listen, you look at them, you learn and then this is really important. You laugh. This one may surprise you, but you laugh with them because humor is a great equalizer. Humor can be the evidence of love. Humor lowers tension. In fact, the word humor and the word humility all come from the same root word humus, which means of the earth. 
the salt of the earth, people from the ground. That means you and me, and we're good-rooted people. The mark of humility is your ability to laugh at yourself. If you laugh at yourself, folks, you're going to have a, a lot of friends. When I laugh at myself, unfortunately, I never run out of material. So when you listen and you look and you learn and you laugh, you know what? That, that, that's a formula for loving someone. We can all do this tomorrow. We're actually walking out of these doors. And you're going to find that you doing these things, affirming dignity and embracing diversity and belonging to a community and learning to love and listening and learning and laughing will create the perfect environment for this one thing to happen that is really important. And that's reconciliation. Reconciliation is when you get two people who are fighting to come back together again. When you get the fractured and the broken people to come back together again. In fact, an example would be when, you know, people who are trying to get a divorce and you bring them back together, that's called reconciliation. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that God has restored our relationship to himself. That is called reconciliation. He's restored our relationship to himself through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And now, because he has done that for you, now he's given us the work of helping other people restore, restore their relationship to God and everyone else. And you may not know this, but the Bible says that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are to be a minister of reconciliation. You are to be an agent of reconciliation. It is our job to be harmonizers and peacemakers. And in fact, Jesus himself said that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Folks, if we're not helping people reconcile, we're not the church. And the one thing that we should be known for here at Canyon Hills is that we help people resolve their conflict, that we help people get back together, that there's no division amongst us because ultimately we believe in reconciliation, that to help people learn to love each other is what we should be doing. And again, you're going to have that opportunity this week to be an agent of reconciliation because I guarantee you somewhere along the week, there's going to be conflict. And what you do will determine whether you're doing what God has called you to do as a follower of Christ or not. That because you've been forgiven, we should forgive people, right? That because you've been given grace, you should give grace freely. That because you have been uniquely created, you should accept everyone else who has been uniquely created in the same image of God that you and I are. And that because God has reconciled you to himself, that you should be an agent of reconciliation. And if we become these agents of love in this fractured world that desperately needs it, Folks, we can change our community and the world. Plus, it'll give us job security in heaven, right? And there's a lot of great books on how to do that. There's a lot of great programs and, 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 and encouragement and inspirational people that'll teach you how to do that. But I would suggest to you that this morning that 
Being an agent of love is not in a program. It is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you haven't met this agent of love yet, I would encourage you that today would be the day. That today would be the day where you say, I, I want to be that person that accepts others and becomes that agent of love and reconciliation that embraces diversity and community, that gives people the dignity that they deserve because they already have it. For I would encourage you today that we will walk out of these doors of different people because we have a newfound challenge to be those agents of change, those agents of love. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word this morning. As challenging as it may be, you've called us to love. Love the people that you created. You've called us to embrace the broken and the fractured. You've called us to be a different people. So Lord, I pray that you do this morning only what you can do. That if there is anyone this morning that you're calling, that you're convicting, that you're stirring in, that you would do what only you can do. That you would encourage them to make the changes if that's what you're asking them to do. That you would encourage them to step out in faith and be that agent that you really want them to do in their workplace, in their house, in their community. That you would call them to be your follower as we walk out of these doors. Lord, this morning is all about you, so we thank you for that, and we thank you for your word, and I thank you for every single person this morning that's here today. Lord, your word says you honor those who honor you, Lord, and I pray that you would honor every single person this morning, that they would all recognize that they are sons and daughters of the high most God, highly favored Father, that we are to be a different people because we have you in our lives. We thank you for that, and we love you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.